0: ever met someone that's really passionate about politics? You see it on TV? For me, it was, it was theology. Like, I'll, 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 I'll debate someone in a heartbeat about theology. And I had these certain hobby horses, right? When, when I was working on a degree, I was like, oh, been, I wonder what this guy believes about this topic. And, and this topic, it's like, if like Pierce was arguing, I'd like, hey, Pierce, what, what do you believe about, about how a person gets saved, huh? you believe this and now I'll, I'll go to bat and for years i did that i had these hobby horses it worked its way into every single paper i wrote in the in, in, in seminary one of my professors he said oh, this, this topic again huh is this your hobby horse and i was like you talking about everybody should be talking about this and i don't even want to mention the topic because i don't want to get back into it but you know what was the real issue It's easy to talk about theology because if I talk about theology and we debate for an hour, I never have to reveal myself to you in that whole debate. People who knock on your door, sometimes they come and they want to argue about theology. I don't want to do that. I want to get real. One guy knocked on my door one time. He goes, hey, we want to share this message with you. And I said, okay, well, come come on in. I said, what does God save you from? What does Jehovah save you from? He's like, Well, you know, I used to be I, I used to be a bad guy. And I'm like, Yeah, but, but what did he save you from? You know, I was just like a sinner. I was like, Yeah, but what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, I was a bad guy. I, and him and his buddy were there, and I'm like, That means nothing to me. Can I share with you what God saved me from? And I said, You see that see that that gal over there in the other room? And that's my wife. I mean, you know how bad I've hurt her. You know what I used to do behind her back, and I started to unpack some heavy things, like right, right then and there. And I go, but God totally delivered me from that. And I got, and I, that woman right there, I said, we have no secrets now. I've told her everything about me, and it got real. See, these guys wanted to keep the conversation at a comfortable level, but God never called us to be in comfort like that. He's called us to put to death sin. <laughs> And and and, uh, and our flesh, we put it to death. That's a violent picture. Like it's not it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. Uh, yeah, let's just hey hey. And you want to get together? Hey Peter, you want to get together? We're just talking about how how good. No, it's hey bro, we're gonna meet for coffee, man. I, I need to tell you like I I wronged my my kid the other day. That's gonna be a very uncomfortable conversation. And in the Christian community. You can either meet someone there, or keep it surfacey. And my wife tells me, like, Ryan, he's you, just people don't want to go deep that fast, that all the time. And, and I agree. I've had other friends tell me when when I started getting into this vulnerability thing, like, Ryan, you like to sleep, in, you, you like to um, swim in the deep end, but sometimes people want to start off in the shallow end. So <clears throat> I'm gonna put this one. This one will go right here. I'm gonna throw a couple of verses out there just to prove that God has not called us to a life of comfort. Now, I'm not saying that all forms of comfort are, are wrong, because I'm wearing some Nikes right now, and they're comfortable, but it's not simple to wear Nikes, okay? I mean, I got, I got a nice shirt. I, I'm, I'm comfortable right now, right? I got money in the bank, I'm comfortable. I mean, we live in the U.S. of A, this is comfortable, but it's not simple until the comfort means more to me than, than God. Like, if at any point it's more important for me to focus on my comfort than doing what God wants, now the comfort has become an idol. Now the comfort has become something I worship. Now the comfort has become a God to me. And it'll never deliver on its promise. Like, the enemy will tell you, don't, don't do that, man. you got to be comfortable here. Don't be uncomfortable, and you'll be happy. And God says, that idol will never deliver on its promise. You'll never be happy, if you seek comfort. The, the, the worst day of my life was the best day of my life. The worst day of my life was the night that my friends were praying for me, and they said, this is my buddy, Danny?" he goes, Brian, you can let Jeanette know everything about you. And I was like, that's terrible, there no way. When I did that, these guys were praying and fasting for me, and I trusted God for the first time in my life, like fully trusted, God, if you're real, then you're, you say I'm going to be okay. I don't know what that looks like, but here goes. And I dove into it, I trusted Jesus, and I go, hey, babe, here's, here's some things. Right? Some things I struggle with. Like I told her about lust struggle. She's like, oh, a struggle. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like there's a book called Every Man's Battle for a reason And she didn't know because I was so good at hiding it So good at hiding it I wasn't fooling anybody I wasn't fooling God Had a couple people fooled but I was lying to myself So uh, Yeah that That was not comfortable But God wants us to aggressively Kill sin So we have Ephesians 6 12 That tells us this whole thing like we realize when, when, we're, when we're pulled to worship comfort, when we're pulled to like only do what's comfortable, that's from the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's what the word tells us. So so I, you know, I, I used to do this too, like how, how I'd worship God in church, how I'd worship God through the music. And I'm saying everybody worships God in a different place. I'm not saying there's a certain posture that proves that someone's trying to be comfortable. There's a certain posture that proves they're all spiritual. Because, I man, I've seen people doing this, but it's totally—maybe it's not from a good place. I've seen people doing this, and it's totally worship. I've seen people prostrate on the floor. I've, I've actually done that. Where I'm, I heard God tell me, "Get, get, get on the floor. Put your face on the floor." And it was—it was at a men's retreat, and I was like want to do that this is a dirty floor and I, it was so clear it was so clear everybody that god said no i want you to get on your face and worship me so I, it was a cold floor in in um north carolina in november and like the floor was like 30 degrees i was like "Lord, this is what you want me to do i'm doing it it was uncomfortable but i got down the floor i'm part of heritage christian church in town here and pastor peter gave a message he goes i, I just want you to, I want you to shout out to Jesus during the songs if that's what God's calling you to do. He's like, he goes, let's even have a competition between the kids and the adults who can praise God the loudest. Not comfortable, but I'm sure God loves it when we worship Him. Okay, Matthew sixteen twenty four through twenty six. Matthew sixteen twenty four through twenty six. Uh, this is Jesus telling his his, his disciples of something very uncomfortable. Now, to be a disciple means to be a follower. Okay? Uh, Matthew 16, 24. It's at the end of your Bibles there. There's four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. If you don't have it, just listen to the words here. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now Jesus also promised his disciples. This is crazy. Like, you got to be crazy to follow Jesus in this time because he says this. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you that's John 15:20 like how would you like that if you're a leader the guy you like I'm going to follow you well guess what you have come for you they're going to persecute you and all of those disciples they died horrible deaths horrible deaths that's one of the that's one of the things that we Christians use as evidence of the validity of the gospel of the of the of the bible it's because those guys went to their death that's just one one of many. Uh, Luke 14, through, Luke 14, 20, 26 through 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own wife, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That was Jesus saying, you literally hate your father and mother? No. No. He's saying that that it's an idol thing, right? Like you can't love anything more than God. We can get into that passage more, but it's Jesus is saying over and over and over again, to take your eyes off of God on, onto anything else is idolatry and it's evil and offensive in God's sight. Any kind of direction here. So if I love my, even my parents more than God, that's evil and offensive in God's sight. Let me, let me prove it to you. Let's just say that I am I'm in a romantic, candlelight dinner with my wife. And I, and we're looking face-to-face, face, right? And I say, hey, uh, Jeanette, um, just give me one second. There's a there's a lady over there. I'm just, just going look at her for just a second just to see what she looks like. What do you think is going to happen to that dinner? <laughs> Boom. I, I don't know. My wife's never hit me, but—, but. Just, just, one, just one second. I just, I want to, see, to see what she looks like. For God, for God, God. I, I know you're, I know you talking to me, but I'm just gonna look over here just for a second. Because this, this is really comfortable here. It's, the, it's the same. God, God wants all of our attention. He wants us to trust Him, so we step into uncomfortable situations because God wants all of them. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be free. And his, his desire is, his, his, his God cares more about us than we care about ourselves. It's like my kids. Like, I want the best for them, more than they know what's best for them. Does that make sense? Like, you guys, you rock leader They think that's torture. But I know it's good for them. For God, he goes, don't take your eyes off of me. Don't go for comfort. Know that I have you. So we confess our sins. We step into community group. We don't care what anybody's thinking about how we worship God because we don't worship comfort. If I'm going to worship God with reckless abandon, and and for me it just looks like this, it's a total surrender. My face on the ground, it's because I I no longer care what other people think because that's comfortable I'm up here. I I don't argue theology with people anymore and I don't argue politics as well. You know why? Because that's easy and if you're listening to this on the internet or you're in the congregation getting passionate about politics is comfortable because then I never have to tell you what I'm struggling with. It's so easy to say "Who, who are you voting for? What are your policies? What do you think about this movement? What do you think about this statement? What do you even think about this phrase? And the whole three hours we're debating. I never told you I have a porn addiction. I, I, I never told you I was cheating on my wife or stealing money from work or, or whatever. So God has not called us into those debates, He's not, he's not called us to pick it. I, he, I firmly believe God has not called us to stand in the corner and picket people and say God hates, you name it. He hasn't, that's easy. That's comfortable. God's called us to put down the picket signs and set aside the political agendas and shut off the gram for a little bit and get into community, right? Ian, madam we've been friends for a long time. I, I gotta tell you what I'm struggling. Dude, can you pray for me, ma'am? And Ian comes back and, says, yeah, bro, come here. Let me, let me pray for you. And he lays hands on me. Dude, I got so many friends. And, dude, I, This is a true story. He's like, I know what happened. I got drunk. I slept with another woman, right? Like, I'm scared. I'm like, come on, come here, bro. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's pray. So I fasted. I fasted on this one day. He says, I'm going to tell my wife on this day. So I, I launched the prayer network at East Coast, Hawaii, West Coast, praying for this one guy. It was somewhere in the world and, and he told us when he was going to do it i was out of state so we fasted 24 hours or it might have been sunup, sundown i don't know it felt like forever right and we broke fast at the same time he goes i'm going to tell my wife i'm going to tell my wife right now totally uncomfortable he felt like that day he got saved because he stepped into it. he stepped into something very uncomfortable and he trusted jesus that, that's the whole point and the wife the wife says, I, I can't. I, I need to be alone. The next day I'm paraphr- I'm summarizing the story. She said, I, I don't know what I'm still doing here. Because I promised myself I would leave if this ever happened. But God told me to stay. She gave him a hug, and he said, I felt like Jesus' arms were wrapped around me. It's so powerful, man. I'm like, I get I gave this promise he felt like Jesus was wrapping his arms around him and saying it's gonna be okay. That, my friends, is faith. It's easy to hide, it's so much easier to hide. He actually, this guy told me, I had promised myself I was gonna take that to the grave. And he says, Ryan, when I first met you, I thought you were an idiot. Because you confess even thoughts to your wife? Like, who does that? But I learned that living in community with people who would love me enough to say, Right? You know, you don't have to be bondage to the enemy It can be over right now And you can no longer live in secrecy And in fear and You can trust Jesus See, when If you grew up in the church in the 80s and the 90s We heard just, hey, say this prayer And you'll go to heaven when you die And that That kind of gospel is no gospel At all The gospel is good news That we no longer have to bow down to fear the gospel is good news that Jesus died for us and he rose from the grave three days later and he, and he ascended into the heavens so that I no longer have to worship this. That is good news. Jesus is the good news. Jesus sets us free. And I can go on for this for hours. I, I have stories for days about people who revealed, who, who tore down this comfort idol by stepping into this, vulnerable, transparent, I'm going to confess my sins, I'm going to step into the community. Uh, Brett McCracken wrote a book called Uncomfortable. It's about Christian community. It's like two people sitting on a bench and they're sort of like this. If you are part of a community group, it's supposed to be a a little bit of iron sharpening iron. That's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be people gathered together and just being real. And And I'm not saying, don't hear this. Hey, my name is Ryan and here's the Three darkest, deepest... I'm not saying do that. I'm saying, over time, be like, hey, let's do life together, man. Like, Pierce and I have been skating together a a while. I mean, we're getting close, right? And at some point, God's gonna be like, why don't you guys crank it up a notch? Like, if we hang out, I just see, in my life, who, who keeps showing up, and, and God will say, let's crank it up a notch. Kill sin together. Do life together. So, so there's those uh, calls that Jesus says... Like in Luke 14, if anyone doesn't renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. That's uncomfortable. Forsake everything and follow Jesus, Luke 14. But he also calls us into Christian community. So uh, Hebrews 10:24 through 25, Jesus, through the author, whoever, whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't know. But Hebrews 10 says this. Hebrews 10:24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're not supposed to neglect gathering together. thank can be anything. I need to hear this. It. is a wonderful chapel. We can do it at our, at our local church. If you want to worship with us at Heritage in the morning, that's fine. If you want to get together in the, in, the, in the barracks, that's fine. That's gathering together as, as a body of believers. Um... Here's something really uncomfortable. Okay, James five sixteen. James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. I don't want to do that. Why would I want to confess my sins to, to other people? Because God calls us to expose ourselves. Because the opposite would be healing. no. I'm, gonna, I'm I'm guarded, and we wouldn't say that. It's just, it's just this is what it looks like. I don't trust. But God calls us to go like this. God. There was a story of, uh, of um, a couple of teenagers. They were they were they were dating. And they were in a car, and they were doing stuff. And the youth pastor goes up and says, "Hey, uh, someone, you know, somebody saw you in the car last night." And they go, "Who? Who saw us?" And he goes, "Well, well God." And they go, "Oh, God." Okay, I thought you said somebody saw us. Does that sound silly or what? But it's what I have done for a long time. I've cared more about what people know about me than what God knows about me. And guess how much God knows about me? Everything I'm fully known. So if God knows everything about me, why would I care what anybody else knows about me? Unless I cared more about what you thought than what God thought. And that, my friends... Is the idol of comfort when I care more about what people think about me more than what God thinks. So wrapping this up, how do I tear down this idol of comfort? First John 1 9. Every one of these bridges can be blown up by 1 John 1 9. First John 1 9 says this: if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in the spiritual life, it works like this. Lord, I confess I am worshiping comfort right now. Thank you for your forgiveness. The moment I confess that this is actually in my life, it no longer has power over me. If I say, "God," God, I'm believing a lie. I confess I'm believing a lie. This has no more power over me and it's gone. If, if I say, God, I care way too much about what people think about me, more than what you think about me, it's gone. And all these bridges. I can't afford any bridges, not a single one. If I kill six bridges and I leave one, guess what's gonna happen? Enemy gets on. But now that I have no bridges in my life, I'm fully exposed it's like shooting fish in a bucket it's like shooting fish in a bucket and it's over this is the life that God has called us to confession and repentance in the midst of community no man is an island, no woman is an island we weren't meant to do the spiritual battle alone, we were meant to do it together let me pray first father thank you